And in the feast of the Lord, I, I, I know I read this last week and, and I'm, I, I've read some of these scriptures we're going to look at tonight last week. We're going to catch our minds up in them. And next week, uh, I plan to, to move on. But, but tonight, just to catch our minds back up uh, a little bit, in Exodus 3, God said he had seen the affliction of his people in Egypt, and he heard their cry, and he came down. And this right here, I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good land and a large, into a land flowing with milk and honey. This right here, with everything we're learning of God's relationship with Israel and how it uh, interacts or, or is a foreshadow or is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ, this right here is of utmost importance. I have come. Because without his coming, Nothing could have been accomplished. Nothing could have happened in Goshen. Nothing could have happened with the Egyptians. Nothing could have happened with the Israelites. So everything is based upon him. And, and Jesus says the same thing. I am come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Without him coming, there's no potential for life. Zero. We, we don't have life without his coming. So, so Israel depended upon his coming to come out of Egypt, to come into the land of promise. We... Likewise, as believers in the fulfillment that's in Christ, are dependent upon him. And as we look at these feasts, all of these feasts have their fulfillment in the person. It's like even when we, when we make the statement, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the significance of the death, the burial, the resurrection is the person. Is, is what happened in the person of Jesus Christ in relationship to death, to burial, to resurrection. That's the significance. We can, we can all say he died. We can all say he was buried. We can all sit here and say he was resurrected from the dead. And everyone on this uh, broadcast probably believes that or does believe that. I don't think probably about it. Everyone here believes that. But what, how does that relate to the person of Christ first? Because, because before it ever related to us, it related to him. And, I, and I'm looking at this in Passover. I, I <laughs> I, I guess I'm going to let the cat out of the bag, so to speak. I wasn't necessarily going to go that I wanted to establish the three days, but here we go. 
Passover related to the Lord. The Jesus died, was buried, and was resurrected, you know, in himself. So he came, died, buried, and raised from the dead. And I know that was in relationship to us as believers, but if there wasn't a relationship to the believers, he did that. In himself, he did that. He conquered death and hell himself. So, so just kind of setting that out there. And I believe that's what Passover is talking about, is what God did himself. Because God came to the Israelites in Goshen, and he himself delivered them. So it was the Lord's Passover. It was the Lord's work. And all this is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus did the work in that he went to the cross and died. He was put in the tomb, buried, and he raised from the dead. And so in himself, that's a complete work. In himself, it's all finished. Before we're ever part of it, it's finished. Now, we were in his mind the whole time he did it. He drew all men. He said, I'm drawing all men to myself. And he did, and he died. And there's a lot that can be said in that statement. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men to myself. Because mankind was under, under sin, under law, under judgment, under all kinds of things. And Jesus drew man to himself. So everything else that had authority, in, in, in at least my understanding there, he disrobed it. So he became the authority. He became the judge of the quick and the dead. So, so no longer was man judged by the law. Man thinks he's judged by the law, especially Christians. But, G, but John writes, he that hath the Son has life. That's a judgment. We've talked about that a lot. That's a judgment. He that has not the Son has not life. That judgment is in Christ. So, so he brought that to himself. So now... Everything is based upon him. And that's what he says in Matthew 28. All authority, all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. So all the authorities that even God had placed before had come to the fulfillment in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the fulfillment of all things. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So when we start looking at these feasts, we have to find the fulfillment in Christ. We can study these feasts out, and, and it's in my heart to do that. But just to learn the feast doesn't really 
do much for us if we don't see it in the person of Christ. Because everything in Scripture is in relationship to the person of Christ. Everything. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And the beauty is we are in relationship to the person of Christ. So when we look at this, I have come down to deliver them. And I said this last week, that so clearly speaks of the Lord Jesus in my heart. That shows him. Because as much as Israel came out of Goshen and went to the promised land, they still didn't have rest to their souls. Jesus comes on the scene and says to them, Come unto me. All that labor and are heavy laden. So in everything God had done in the old covenant, there was still the rest of God, which we read in the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews 3 and 4. And Jesus is the rest. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And in everything God had done, in all the works that he did with the Israelites, they did not have rest unto their soul. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. So learn of me, and I'm going to bring rest into your soul. And that's what the learning of him does, is brings us into a place of rest. Like we, we love to read the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, or Jehovah's shepherd. He maketh me to rest, to lie down, to rest. And see, that's the only way I ever come into rest is through him. So, so as I gather these feasts up and look at them, they're all declaring him. And, and I, I just going to throw this out here and Passover, as the more I look at it, I believe Passover was a full work. Okay? I believe Passover speaks of three days in that one feast. I know a lot of times we look at Passover, and I've looked at it for years, and maybe the Lord will correct my heart, but I'm just going to present this out to you, and we can judge it, and we can set it before the Lord, and we can ask the Lord as a assembly unto God. In Passover, you had the lamb slain, right? And we've talked about it, just, just presenting it a little bit slow, but you had the lamb slain, and they took the slain lamb into the house, which to me speaks of burial. So they took him into the house, and of course they ate the lamb. And in the light of the new day, they came out the door. And that 
to me is three a three-day journey, death, burial, and resurrection. Now, we know that happened in one day of Passover. But there's death, burial, and resurrection in that one day. That's why I say Passover, as I look at it, looks like the complete work of the Lord, that the Lord did the complete work in delivering Israel right there at Passover, which speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ, how he did the complete work in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He fully did the work. Well, then why do I have two other feasts? And why do I have feasts within the feast is the question, right? Why didn't God just say, learn the Passover? Because this is it. Well, when I come into Pentecost, and just like I said, these are introductory uh, lessons uh, last week and tonight. When I come into Pentecost, Pentecost is 50 days after the Passover. So the first Pentecost is Mount Sinai. Okay? So at Mount Sinai is the declaration of the Word of God. The in type and shadow, the Holy Ghost came down upon the mountain. God came down in a cloud and a fire, filled the mountain. Acts 2, he fills the house. <laughs> but there on Sinai, he comes down in a cloud and a fire, and Moses in type and shadow goes up into heaven. He ascends up to God. He goes up unto the Lord. And the Lord reveals his word. He declares the word to him. He declares the word of covenant. He doesn't just declare the Ten Commandments. I know, I know we, we, a lot of times we pictured that, that he went up there and he just got the Ten Commandments and he come down. But he declares the feast. He declares the priesthood. He declares, you know, the offerings, how the offerings are done. He lays out his word. And that declaration is speaking of the word. And see, on the day of Pentecost, what happened is the Holy Spirit came and filled the house. And what does the Holy Spirit do? I know, I know what we've done with it with Pentecostals and and, and as I make this statement, I speak in tongues, I believe in it, I wish everyone spoke in tongues. It's, it's a glorious experience in my heart. It still is today. It was glorious when it happened to me, so I don't want to take anything away from it at all. But Jesus said the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he's going to take what? Of me. And he's going to show me. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He's going to reveal me. So just because he's now the word of covenant, no longer is the word that Moses received at Sinai the word of covenant, but Jesus Christ himself is the word of covenant. So our covenant is based on the person of Christ and that word is revealed in our hearts. And so I believe when you move from, Pente from Passover to Pentecost, 
that's what you're dealing with. And you see it even in the tabernacle of Moses. You come into the tabernacle of Moses and you have the Passover offering. And you come into the tabernacle and you have there the light of the candlestick. And the candlestick is shining in that room on the bread. On two loaves of bread. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So, so, and ultimately, you come to tabernacles where the life of God is tabernacled in you. And, and there, you know, and, I, and, and there's a whole lot to say in all these, but there, in my heart, is a picture of the three feasts. So God is declaring his word by the spirit. The word that's complete in himself at Passover. And the fullness of that word tabernacles within us. It tabernacles in all that he is. And so so as we look at tabernacles, we look at what he is. Same way when we use the word resurrection. Resurrection, and when I make this statement, <laughs> I don't want no way to lose anybody. We think of resurrection as, as us being resurrected. Jesus says, I am the resurrection. So the resurrection is who he is. If we can hear that. Now we're joined to him in the resurrection. But the resurrection life is who he is. Glory to God. And that's, to me, you, you know what my heart's after is not I, but Christ. Is that resurrection life that he is to be made real in me that I would live unto myself, but I would live unto him who gave himself and raised from the dead. Because that's what he did. He raised from the dead. So, so these feasts all have their purpose in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, in the introduction, I want to show you something. In, in, if you turn to John 12 in your Bible, and when you read from John 12, when you start reading in John 12 to, I don't know, John... 19, 20, 21, to the end of John. This set of scripture in John deals with Passover, with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So from John 12, when I start reading John 12, 
Mary anoints Jesus. What does it what does it say? Six days before Passover. So six days before he's anointed of Mary. Okay. When I come into John 13, Jesus is getting ready, if I understand this right, to have the feast of Passover with his disciples. So from John 13 to where he goes out in the garden, right here's Passover, folks. The day of preparation of the feast. And they take him out. So, so all these statements Jesus makes here that we read and like to quote in 14, 15, 16, 17 is in relationship to this supper that Jesus is having with his disciples. Don't know if you've ever seen that. I, I began to see that maybe last year or year before, but at some time that kind of began to be gathered up into my heart that he's here at with the disciples. And, and, you know, when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, I think Matthew and Luke get into it somewhat, but they don't go into the description of what Jesus said to his disciples when he was with them at the supper. We, we, we have the pictures of the last supper. But Jesus makes the profound statements that we love to quote. If I, again, if I'm understanding this right, I'm putting this out here. At that supper, glory to God. And what I believe he's doing is declaring to them the covenant. He's like, like Moses was declared, like it was declared to Moses up there in Sinai. Here Jesus is declaring to those that are his the covenant, the word of covenant. Because all of these words he declares are fulfilled in him. Every one of them, when you get in through about John 12 through 17, is all dealing with him and the relationship in the new covenant that he's bringing the believer into, to the fullness in John 17, to the tabernacles. They shall behold my glory. Where was the glory of God beheld at in the tabernacle, in the temple? And Jesus is bringing them into, you know, he's declaring that. And the spirit of God brings comes into our hearts and reveals what Jesus declared and what Jesus did in those three days. And those three days are an eternal day in the Lord. So those three days, at least in my understanding, are never ending. So even when you begin to look at the scripture with the with the Passover, and we and we at least I have it. Sometimes I say we, 
but I but I'll talk to you a little bit about me. Sometimes I try to figure this thing out and I put my finger on it and I say, well, I've got this figured out. And when I start studying it, I go, oh, well, maybe I don't have it figured out, do I, Lord? Maybe I've needed you all along to unravel this and figure this out for me because I don't have it figured out. Because there's a picture of the offering of the Lord in all the feasts. So, so Jesus, the Passover lamb, <laughs> when I go over to, when I read about the Passover, I see the lamb, the lamb slain. Well, guess what? When I come over to Pentecost, what do I find in Pentecost? Seven lamps. <laughs> the complete work of the Lord. Well, when I come over to trumpets, what do you find again? The offering of the Lord. So, so, so this offering of God is continual. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So, so when we come into New Covenant, Jesus is the fulfillment of not just the Passover offering, but he's the fulfillment of all the offerings. All the offerings are fulfilled in him. And when you come into the book of Leviticus, these offerings are so important. God gives a description of the offerings in the book of Leviticus. The sin offering, the peace offering, the offering of fire. You know, there's five or six offerings. I've, I've put them out before, looked at them a little bit. But so God brings these pictures of these offerings before us. And everything there is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. He is our peace. So he's the peace offering of the Lord. And he's the burnt offering that continues through all of these feasts. So that offering of the Lord just continues through all of these feasts because it's his fullness we're coming to know. We're, we're coming to know his fullness. And that's, and that's what's so significant in these feasts is, it, is that they culminate in a fullness, but they start with an offering, and that offering travels through all the feasts. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Because Paul, when Paul's talking about his fullness in, in Philippians, that, I, that if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, of the resurrection of Christ, the resurrection of life, however he says it there in Philippians, he says, being made conformable to his death, if by any means I might attain unto his resurrection. So, so being coming to his resurrection, I have to be conformed to his death. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. So that his death is always before me. 
because it's his death that does away, you know, in one sense with everything that's against me, and it does away with, with that that is me, and it brings forth in me that that's him. That my mind can be changed, my heart can be changed, my will can be changed, that all these things can be dealt with. So, so that is always before us. And that's what I was, you know, as I was glancing at these feasts, I was like, my goodness, here are the offerings all the way through the feasts. So, so even when you come over into tabernacles and you start talking about the fullness right there in the midst of it is the offering. Right in the midst of the fullness. Because it's always toward him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. It's his fullness. Now the beauty of it is he has included us with him, but it's his fullness. Now some of the scriptures that I uh, put down here, Exodus 3.13, and again, I'm not going to read all these tonight, but Exodus 3.13 through... Uh, 17 or 18, 18, and emphasis there, a three-day journey. They were to go a three-day journey into the wilderness. Exodus 5 and 1. And Jehovah, thus said Jehovah, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. A feast. Hallelujah. One feast. A feast. But up above, a three-day journey. But here, a feast. Because these feasts become a perpetual feast to the Israelites. Which, which we could maybe even call it a perpetual day. In Exodus 23... Verse 14, it says, three times in the year you shall make a feast to me. And he goes through the feast, the feast of unleavened bread. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread as I have commanded you at the set time of the month of Abib. For in it you came out of Egypt, and they shall not appear before me empty. So when they come with, to that feast, they come in with a sheave, which I believe represents the Lord Jesus himself. <laughs> you know, they come in there, in the, so to speak, in the presence of the Lord, with the Lord himself, a sheave. So, and then it goes down to the feast of harvest, the first fruits of your labor. And then, it, and then it mentions the Feast of Tabernacles here. It, it, it just lays this out over and over again. Moses lays this out to the children of Israel. Exodus 34, he lays it out again. You know, and, and these are the encounters of Moses going up into the mount and God declaring the word to him, to Moses. This is... Exodus, I believe Exodus 23 and Exodus 34 are both that, that 
that Moses has went up into the mount and God has declared the ordinances of the Israelites to Moses for Moses to take them down and present them to the children of Israel and put them into place. And then if you want to read about them, Leviticus 23, that whole chapter, it goes through the feast times appointed by the Lord. And, and this is so significant because the feast of Passover was the beginning of days according to the Lord of Israel. That was their beginning when they came out of Egypt. See, that's our beginning. We, we think our beginning is when we were naturally born. But our beginning in God is when we receive the Lord Jesus and he brings us into his work. And we call it a new birth. Right? Because it's a new day, a new time for us. We'd never been there before. And God brings us into his work, the work that he already completed. When we receive the Lord Jesus, we come into a new day, into a new time, a beginning of days. And so now we're learning that day as we walk with God, as we journey with God, we're learning this day that started in the new birth that came forth through his Passover offering, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. The new birth came through his resurrection. If he wasn't raised from the dead, there wouldn't be a new birth. Because the new birth is out from the dead. And we've looked at all these things. What is the dead? And the dead being Adam, the Adamic man. So the new birth is out from the dead. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And that's a beginning of days to us. A beginning of time. And the glorious time that we come into has no end. So, so it doesn't stop. It doesn't cease. And, and it's fresh to us. So, we, so then we, content, we go on and begin to grow in him that has done the work. So our growing is in the Lord's work. And it's the spirit that brings us into what Jesus did. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Till we come to his life. Lest you eat my flesh and drink my blood. You have no life. Didn't say you don't breathe oxygen, but you don't have his life. 
And as we eat him, it produces his life. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And, and, and ultimately, we see that in the Feast of Tabernacles. We see a harvest. We see, we see the fruit of what was planted. The corn of wheat that's fallen into the ground and died. So in the harvest, we see the fruit of that corn or seed of wheat that went into the ground, who is the Lord Jesus, and brings forth his fruit, his life in a people. Glory to God. And we fellowship his life. We begin to know by the Spirit what the peace of God is. That becomes real in our hearts. It's not just something we read on the pages of the Bible, but by the Spirit of God, we're knowing the Lord and we're participating in what He has done. And the peace of God begins to just flow in our being because, because He produces within us. And this principle goes all the way back into Genesis. Every seed brings forth of its own kind. So as the seed of God begins to mature and bring forth fruit, that fruit of love, joy, peace, gentleness, meekness, kindness begins to form within our hearts. Because that's what he is. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He is his fruit. The fruit is who he is. It's his divine nature, his divine person. Herein is my Father glorified, Jesus said. That what you bear much fruit that there be the harvest there be fruit anyway leviticus 23 you read that chapter deuteronomy 16 again gets into the feast and then Chronicles 8, Solomon, then Solomon offered burnt offerings to Jehovah on the altar of Jehovah that he had built before the porch. Verse 13, even as the matter of every day required, offerings according to the commandments of Moses on the Sabbaths and on the new moons and on the appointed feast three times in the year. See, the offering went through it all. The offering who become Christ went through it all. And I, and I wrote a note here, in, in all these feasts is the offering of the Lamb, which I've talked about. First Kings 9, same thing. So, so this picture of Christ is in all three feasts. 
a picture of him in his death, picture of him in his burial, and in his resurrection. Well, I'll stop here for tonight, and we'll pick this up uh, next week. And like I said, we will probably be here for some time. And if you want to go back through this, just let me know, and I can shoot you the audio recording.